0: welcome everyone to the green the web podcast i'm your host sandy dennard a UX UI designer with a huge passion for ecologically and socially sustainable web design and in today's episode i want to talk with you about all those many, many, many wordings that are floating around of all kinds of frameworks that can get quite confusing. At least it was definitely to me very confusing and as I've heard from a lot of you as well. So there is, for example, environment-centered design, there is planet-centric design, and there's life-centered design. There's probably even a couple of more frameworks that I don't even know yet (laughs) that there are. But those three are the main that I see in many discussions and as like the hub for how people work and why they work in a certain way. And the biggest question is, are they all the same? Are they somewhat different? What are differences if there are some? And those are questions that I wanted to answer to myself, but I also want to answer today with you and uh, get into a discussion as well about it. There is definitely a lot of my own opinion of how I see those three frameworks spread it and what I see or I understand of what they are and what their definition is or what is underneath those frameworks. But please let me know afterwards what you think those frameworks are. If there's a framework that I'm totally missing, <laughs> and if you have a different opinion on it, I'd love to hear it. Um, just shoot me a message, just get into the discussion. I definitely want to just open up this discussion around those frameworks as I feel like there's plenty of them around. And in today's episode, I want to see what's up with them. So, In this episode, I want to get into first of all the background, like where do we even come from in UX UI design to understand why we need those frameworks. And that is actually the second question I want to get into with you today is why do we need new frameworks? And then into what is environment-centered design, planet-centric design, life-centered design, those frameworks that I mentioned already. What are similarities? What are differences? And the most important question of them all, what the heck can we do with those frameworks? (laughs) Because it's nice to know what they are, but it's more important to know what can we do with them? How does it enhance our design work or our work in general? And I'm very honored that you share those next minutes with me. And if you like what you hear, consider subscribing to the podcast. And then let's head into it. Let's start with the background. Where do we even come from in UX, UI design? And two frameworks have been the major ones that I've seen in companies and agencies over the last decade that I worked in this industry. And those ones are user-centered design and human-centered design. Just to get a uh, to give a rough overview of what they are and there are def- uh, definitely different definitions of them out there as well, but user-centered design is about getting to know the user already quite a bit, having some characteristics, finding out what your users need what their pains are what their desires are but it's very very much tailored to a specific product or a product journey such as for example a specific website journey like a specific service on your website that you're selling for example that is user-centered design really looking at the user of a product of a service of something that you build to use a certain service, really looking at the user of it. And then there is human-centered design, where we look at even more characteristics and in general, the whole lifestyle of this human being. Really looking into the daily life, really looking without the lens of a product, more to really deeply understand this human being first and we care for more of the surroundings of this human being and trying to find out what this person really needs. Meaning human being is first and then product or service comes in second. So you build a product or a service according to the needs and pains and frustration points and all of that of this human being. So it's kind of vice versa, (laughs) it's like one thing is product first, human being second and then the other one is human being first, product second and they are great, they are really helpful in understanding your users, in understanding the human beings that could buy your product or are buying your product and just really psychology of the society around us. I love it it's really interesting it's really helpful also for business and for product um, development and service development and all of those things so the question is why do we then need new frameworks what's the reason behind that and the biggest reason is that we are missing so many pieces we have the user or the customer, or this human being we want to have as a user, or want to have as a customer. But we're totally missing out of everything around this user, customer, or human being. Like the first level context of this person, like friends and family and colleagues, meaning also the the dynamics around them, and meaning really of the small micro society this person is in several like and that was an interesting word second level context like the community the bigger community this person is in the society the culture really interesting to look at that as well and then people who are involved in the production of it all like of the product of the service itself even in manufacturing like really starting from the beginning And for myself, that was my biggest aha moment, at least. We're missing out on the environment this person is in, or we are all in. The micro-environments, that could be the town, the city, the area this person is in, also the macro-environments, like huge ecosystems we are in, or even just in general, the planet, or the universe, if you want to look at that as well. So we're missing a lot, as you can see, from just using user-centered and human-centered design. So in user and human-centered design, we only put humans on top of this pyramid, on top of everything else, as if this is the only thing we should care for. And I know from a business perspective, that's the easiest one, and that's like in selling this product or selling this service of course the easiest but we have to stop as human beings we have to stop putting human beings on top of this pyramid because it's not true we're living in ecosystems we're living all on this one planet maybe at some point we will have several planets to live on but so far we're living on one planet in one ecosystem that we have like definitely a lot of impact on and we see that with the last years especially and i don't know if you've ever read ismail by daniel quinn it's one of my favorite books where there is a human pe- a human being talking to a gorilla and this gorilla explains very well how human beings think as if they are the perfection the end goal of evolution this yeah this person on top of this pyramid that there's always just this end goal having human beings there's nothing that will come afterwards we are the end of it we are this perfect uh, perfect thing that had to come out of evolution and of how whatever you <laughs> think is the right uh, way there has been Um, But I really love this book. I really love it. It explains it so well how we ended up as human beings thinking we are on top of this pyramid. And that we're not in this circle. That we're not part of an ecosystem. That we're not animals anymore. Although we are mammals. And that we separate us from everything else that there is. But it's not true. Because we have a huge impact. So once in a while... I love to just zoom out into the universe and I'd love for you to come with me for a couple of seconds into this small exercise. So you zoom out of this planet and you're floating around in the universe. It's pitch black, dark around you and you just see planet Earth in front of you. And although you probably haven't been there yet, you probably have an image uh, because we've seen a lot of images from planet Earth. And you see this floating ball in front of you. And the question is, what do you see? Like really from zooming out, what do you see? And you probably see land masses. You see oceans. You maybe even see some of the rivers. You see polar caps. You might see some mountain ranges. You see greens. You see maybe even some beach fronts and stuff. Different textures, different colors. You see it from very far above and very on a macro level you see clouds and you see this planet earth as one thing, one union. And then you start getting closer to planet earth again. And you start seeing smaller things, maybe single mountains, maybe more of the beach areas, maybe certain forests that you start to see. And you zoom in and zoom in and zoom in. And eventually you start seeing cities. You start seeing buildings. And you start seeing human beings, but also animals, plants, single trees. Smaller rivers. Smaller parts of our ecosystems. But you didn't see them. And you're far out in the universe. You didn't see any borders. You didn't see anything that was man-made. Except of maybe the Great Wall of China. (laughs) But that's pretty much the only thing. Um, What I want to get at is we are one part of this planet. We are one part of all the ecosystems around us. And with this little exercise, it always helps of getting back into ah yeah true true we are not on top of this pyramid and that is why we need those frameworks we need to think of everything that is around us everything that is involved in producing and manufacturing the products and services we sell but also of everything that is impacted by it with using those products and services And whether that's people or that's environment. There's not just this one user that buys it but it always has an impact on many other levels as well. So let's get into what is environment, planet and life-centered design. You can look at them individually but my main objective is to show similarities as well as differences and in naming especially but also in what lies underneath environment centered and planet centric design are very similar to each other. In my opinion of what I've read they are quite the same actually. Both really 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 care for the nature that we are forgetting that we are impacting And really about what is around us, everything that I just said about nature and forests and rivers and oceans and mountains and everything that's on this planet. What, that's a very subjective thing. (laughs) I always feel like this planet, like really the planet itself does not care if we as human beings are on it or not. We are here for in in the planet's life cycle we are here for just a millisecond or a second maybe in its lifetime so it does not really care if we're here or not but the environment we're living in and the ecosystems and animals and plants and everything that's like nature around us that really cares if we are here or not because if we go down then they will go down as well because we make Animals and plants and trees and all of that make extinct and we increase temperatures and changing climate drastically for everyone around us as well. The planet still will survive and live, but the ecosystems around us might not or will change drastically uh, so that certain animals and plants and stuff won't survive. So in my opinion, or for myself, environment-centered design feels more natural to me, but nothing against the name planet-centric design. uh, It's equally fine. It's just for myself, i rather use environment-centered design than planet-centric design. And that's the reason that I just gave you. And the main difference from those two to life-centered design is that life-centered design especially focuses also on people, like the first-level context and second-level context and the people who are involved in production and manufacturing. That's specifically set in this framework to be in there as well, caring for all people and all planet, like all environment. Um, that's the main difference in environment and planet-centric design to life-centered design. At least that's the main difference that I found so far or understood so far from reading a lot of articles and things on those three different frameworks. So the question is, what can we do with those frameworks? And that is very similar in all three of them of how they work or how They are structured, it's not completely the same, but I want to give you a rough overview of what are the different steps that we can take with us into our design work or business and how we can shape things in a different way. The first step is to think about who are your stakeholders. And meaning it's not about the business stakeholders in your company, But also not just the users you want to attract or the human beings that you want to convert into users or customers, but really about all people that are involved in some kind of context and level, even if it's just uh, not just even if it's manufacturing and production or if it's on the other side of friends, family, colleagues, community, society, culture and all the stakeholders that are non-human. So everything that is impacted, and that could be mother nature in general. That could be you have a project that, um, that is for New York City. Then New York City is a persona, is a stakeholder itself. It could be a country like Panama. Uh, That just recently actually happened. (laughs) That's why it came to my mind. Mm, It could be a river. It could be a lake. It could be an ocean. For example, your company really acts on cleaning the Atlantic Ocean. Then the Atlantic Ocean is definitely a stakeholder of your project, of your business, of what you're doing. And you just map out, you brainstorm, you map out everyone that is a stakeholder, human and non-human stakeholders. This could be easily like a one or two hour session that uh, that you do together with a couple of other people and just brainstorm what is there, what is there that is impacted by us being in business. The next step is, that's a fun part, <laughs> the next step, it gets trickier. The first question in the next part is, how are you impacting those stakeholders in a positive way? That's fun to do. And that's very, like if you're, if New York City is a stakeholder and you're thinking of how you positively changed the way of living in New York City and for the citizens and of how to reshaping the city in what kind of way waste or whatever it is in your project then that's awesome to do and everyone lightens up and everyone is like yeah this and that and the benefits we all have from our services and product we put them easily in a list and it's fun to do but the second question in this step is how are you Impacting your stakeholders in a negative way. And I know everyone's like, uh ah, damn, do we really have to do that? Because we never like to think about the negative ways we're impacting even just a user with our service and product, but it's very necessary to do. And definitely not for stakeholders we might even lack of empathy for because we have no idea how, how New York City feels like. Although we could easily feel that when we're in the city and we feel that the city itself is in great stress and in, uh, in great needs and pains and frustration points due to several reasons like even just traffic. Um, We we find easy answers for that, but really writing down the negative ways we are impacting those stakeholders can be tough, and we rather like to look away, but it's extremely necessary. If you really want to change something, then we have to look at the negative parts, and that should be done for at least the main stakeholders that we feel like human and non-human stakeholders. But if you have time and you really want to dig into, you can do it for all of them. You probably have lots of them written down in your map, but we can do it for at least the top three, top five stakeholders to know ah, that are the secretly negative parts of them. We need that step to get into the next step. And that is how to reduce the negative impact we're having, plus how to stabilize and increase the positive ones. We want to balance them out. We want to, of course, increase the positive side of our business and reduce the negative sides. We don't want to harm anyone or anything with our business, usually at least. Uh, If you're somewhat ethical, (laughs) then usually you don't want to do that. So we want to reduce that and we want to stabilize and increase what's positive there already. And then the next question that comes up is, is there additional positive ideas that you can add? And really, that's a question that I encourage everyone to brainstorm first and then see what's feasible. Really mapping out everything that additionally could be positive in itself, could have positive impact on any of those stakeholders. Anything that comes to mind. And then figuring out what's really easy to do. What are the low-hanging fruits? What, what's feasible in the short term? What's feasible in the long term? Then building a roadmap out of that. Um, but really thinking freely about what additional positive ideas come up. And that is the main part of those frameworks. On top of that, you have the regular design loop, like designing it, testing it, measuring it, iterating again. The regular loop we always do as designers or in design work come on top of that we know how it works we know how to deal with that the only difference is is to have this other variation of thinking towards ideas and i've done a lot of workshops in this way always a little bit tweaking and changing according to the project or the business But there are so many aha moments using those frameworks. It's incredible. So many interesting, awesome ideas come up when doing that. So I highly (laughs) encourage everyone to give them a try and really digging into how they work or grabbing just the outline that I just gave you of first getting into who are your stakeholders, then how are you impacting them in a positive and negative way, how to reduce the negative, how to stabilize and increase the positive, and then thinking about additional positive ideas that you could add, and then designing, testing, measuring, iterating as the regular design process. We might be just one small part of this ecosystem, but we do have the power, especially as designers. I can't say it enough. I feel like we have a great, great, great power to change things. So do you want to contribute to societal positive or negative change? Do you want to contribute to environmental positive or negative change? It's always up to you how you want to shape it in the project and the business you are in we do have a great power and we've had a lot of user and human-centered design process and we still can keep those because they're a great value but we need new additional frameworks that care also for everything that is around us. So my biggest hope is that everyone gives those frameworks a try. Just trying them out, just getting in the mindset of those frameworks that's all that's needed sometimes it's the it's not really following the approach step by step but just getting into the mindset of it i'd love to see that and i also hope that there will be clearer definitions of all three of them to be honest <laughs> and i hope that we will find common understanding in using all three of them or maybe bringing some even together because they are maybe even the same. If you feel very differently and you feel like, yeah, there's a lot of things that you've forgotten or that there are other similarities or differences that you see in those frameworks, please let me know. As you know, I'd love to make it a two-way conversation to send me a message on LinkedIn, on Instagram, in any sustainable tech community that I'm in or via email, whatever you like the most. And this is pretty much it that I want to say today. I'm super grateful that you're here and you're listening and you're sharing those um, minutes with me Subscribe to the podcast if you liked it, share this episode with friends and colleagues, give this podcast a rating, follow on Instagram at greentheweb or check out the free resources on my website. All links are down below in the description. Spread the joy and please let me know what you thought of this episode. I'm really keen on hearing your thoughts as well. And that's it for today. I'm really looking forward to the next one. See you soon.